Hey everybody, this is Rabbit's Ramblings Podcast 40. Welcome to it. I guess I'll start this time with sort of a rewind to last podcast and some stuff I wanted to talk about that I didn't get to talk about because I was so thrown off by running out of time to record and not having a chance unless I wanted it to be like, you know, half a week or a week late that my brain was just going crazy. I've talked about these before, but part of the reasons why I play games is that gaming is an escape for me. It helps me you know, focus on different things other than my sad homeless life. It helps me feel like I'm normal, like I'm just an average person, because in the game, I am just like everybody else. You know, I have the same opportunity to succeed or fail, as it were. I oftentimes have, you know, similar loot and have done similar things. So I'm just like everybody else. It helps me feel like I can achieve stuff. My character gains levels, loots, or defeats puzzles or enemies, or different kinds of challenges depending on what kind of games I'm playing. So even though I might not be achieving stuff in my regular life, I can achieve stuff in game. So that helps me still feel like I I can do good. Unless I'm in an MMOG, I don't have to worry about rejection, failure, or if I can actually make it or not. The game is typically balanced in my favor, and so if I follow the path and options that are laid out before me, you know, I typically don't have too much of an issue. And if that path tends to be a little too easy, you know, often games will allow higher difficulty settings. So if you want a a greater challenge, you can do that. And as I said in the previous podcast, I I typically play at normal or hard settings. So, you know, I, I typically feel pretty good about myself when I can, you know, do good in the game. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everybody's been talking about. I suppose, too, in a way, depending on what kind of game I am playing, It allows me to feel like I do have, you know, a reasonable amount of control in my life. If I'm playing a role-playing game, you know, typically there are skills and talents I can allocate. So, you know, I feel like I'm sort of in control of where my character is going in that sense. I suppose that's not always the case with shooter games, but, you know, depending on the kind of shooter, maybe I have some companion people with me, or, you know, I can control the, the type of weapons that I'm using and such. And so I feel like, you know, I'm in control and have choices there as well, you know, whereas I might not have those choices or control in my regular life. And also, I suppose, too, pretty much every game does have an end, even MMOGs, as it were, you know, has max level. And so, you know, you play through the game and you eventually get to the end and you feel like you have accomplished something and you have succeeded at something, whereas regular life just goes on and on. It kind of gets to something somebody asked me about at the restaurant I hang out at. One of the guys, one of the guys came over and he, he doesn't play MMOGs, so he didn't quite get it. He's like, but that's going like all the time. You have to play it like all the time, right? And I'm like, well, no, you don't have to play it all the time, but it is going all the time. So MMOGs do have a very different feel than other kinds of games. He was saying that he plays online realistic shooters is what I would call them. And they don't have, you know, the same sort of persistent feel. They're sort of just, you know, a battle, and then the battle's over. And then, you know, you can play another battle, but it's not a persistent kind of thing like an MMOG. 
So in that sense, many games offer you a way to feel like you can, you know, start something and complete something and see the story through, and then it has a, a very definite conclusion, and you move on to the next game. Whereas, you know, times like this, where, I, you know, in my own life I'm getting beaten down, as it were, there doesn't appear to be any sort of, you know, win condition coming up anytime soon, that's for sure. So, you know, it's like I'm not seeing any way out of it. There is no end and so it gets very depressing. But games, you know, games aren't like that. They have an end. They have definite victory conditions. And like I said, you know, typically the game will balance in your favor. Once upon a time, and this is not so long ago, certainly less long ago than you would think, games did not have achievements. I'm actually kind of getting sort of addicted to achievements. I don't certainly go around looking at every last one and trying to achieve them all, but it is very cool when I'm playing a game and I see, you know, this achievement came up or you did this cool thing and you get an achievement. It's like, ooh, yay. I had pre-ordered Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning quite some time ago on Amazon. But it was recently announced that they are going to do a Steam version, which people have been asking for on the Facebook page forever. So it's finally going to come out. It's been announced. And so I was wondering if I should change my pre-order to the Steam version. This was for a couple of reasons. Like I mentioned, there are achievements in the Steam version. Even though you know, it might not have a lot of them, it absolutely will have them because all Steam games have achievements. And I don't know if there will be achievements in the not Steam version. Also, the question came up for me specifically because I am homeless and there will, at some point, be downloadable content. Did I want to go with the regular version or the Steam version? Because when I tried to start up the demo, it asked me for my EA account you know, name and password to log into the server. This is a problem because it's blocked by school, which is one of the places I can play. I don't play there quite so often anymore, but it is, you know, a quiet place in the library where I can sit and I can put my headphones on, and I'm pretty much in my own space, and I can play, you know, my games and, and be offline and play my games and have fun. But since the school does firewall block pretty much all games, that means I can't log in through my login which means I'll run into the same problem that I have with Dragon Age and Mass Effect. And that is, if I can't log in, it won't verify any downloadable content I have. And that's pretty much the main reason why I'm not playing through Mass Effect 2. It's one of those games, you know, I fall back on and I play it now and then, but I haven't played it in, I don't even know how long, because I can't access that content unless I'm at certain locations, which are not firewalled. So that question came up too. Do I want the Steam version? because, in theory, all of the unlocked content would still be playable when I'm in offline mode, and then, you know, I don't have to worry about a firewall, or do I want to stay with the original version? I don't know. That is sort of a, a side question to achievements, and I, I don't know the answers to that. I'm still pondering it. I still have three weeks to change my mind if I, if I do want to go with the Steam version or not, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's still conditional on my being homeless, so you know, say it's even just six months before there's downloadable content. That's, you know, seven months from now, roughly. So who knows where I'll be in seven months. But it just brought up the interesting point of, 
you know, do I really care about achievements? It is certainly something cool to see in games, especially when the game has an interface built that shows the achievements, and you can look at them and go, ooh, I did this, and I did this, and ooh, this one I'm really close to completing. So, you know, maybe it's a big deal to you, maybe not. I think, you know, coming from a time where there were not achievements, and now there are achievements, I would say that I do prefer games to have some kind of achievements. You know, it doesn't have to have, you know, 500 achievements. It can just have, like, 50, and that would be cool. I would rather have 50 achievements than no achievements. I suppose for some people, it is a way to gauge your gaming experience against other people. It's like, oh, how many achievements do you have? You know, I did this one, and I did this one. Did you do them? And it gives them something extra they can talk about. So I suppose there is that point, too. I've never talked about anyone with achievements, but I do know there are people out there who love achievements, and they go for every last one they can, and they're, you know, telling their buddies how to get this one and how to get this one, and, oh, here, follow me over here to get this secret thing that gives you this achievement. So for some people, it can be a pretty big deal. On my honor, I am obliged to accompany you until you have saved your life, and you have spared me mine. I'm sorry, the position of annoying talking animal has already been taken. Let's go, Shrek! I don't think I'll be talking about my guild in this podcast at all. I don't really know. I might, I might not. I don't know. Not really important. But twice lately, it has come up that people I've been talking to don't know what a guild is. So for those of you who do not know what a guild is, it is also sometimes referred to as a clan, but these are basically just a group of players who share a chat channel and oftentimes a shared sort of bank space in games. It's really just a way for multiple friends and, you know, friends of friends to gather together and they can play and they can do different maps if they're on a co-op or, you know, sort of a... a player versus player kind of environment or if they're you know in an MMOG it gives you know a pool of players you can group with and do fun stuff with so basically it's just a group of players that play together who sometimes go through multiple games together and uh you know oftentimes they will carry their guild slash clan name with them in most games nowadays it will appear under their name it will appear under their name when you point at them not in the group box, as it were. Back in the day, I think they started in first-person shooting games, and you would often see these like in brackets or like with slash tags next to them, and it would usually be a three-letter anacronym. Is that the correct term for them? So say like it's, you know, Joe Bob bracket K-A-T bracket. You know, he's part of the K-A-T guild or clan. Who knows what that stands for? That was a way for players to identify one another to each other, you know, within the game before they had sort of organized structures where players could organize games and such. You know, sometimes they would come on and they would just randomly see one of the other people from their guild because they didn't have any clear way to contact them. You know, sometimes they have forums, sometimes not, sometimes they're just you know, four people that know each other, and then those people add other people, and so, you know, they don't always necessarily know each other. So that is uh, a very short version, I guess, and a very condensed version, because in different games, guilds and clans can get different benefits, and so, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it, because it it gets kind of game-specific in some areas, 
But for those of you who didn't know, it's just you know pretty much a group of people you know in real life, as it were, or have gamed with before, and may or may not play together through several different kinds of games. So just a group of people. So my main character in Star Wars The Old Republic is now 36, I think. And as I've gotten higher and higher level, especially when I was playing in the last few days, I really narrowed down sort of what it is about this kind of system that bothers me. I will refer to it as playing the hotkey bar instead of playing the game. What's happened is that I am now somewhere over three full bars of abilities. That's, you know, three times 12. So 36 plus abilities, probably somewhere around that neighborhood. And I only really use maybe eight most of the time. But in order to be, quote unquote, the most efficient at my class, all the rest of those keys do get called upon during certain boss fights or, you know, in an instance, there might be a time or two that I need to use those other keys. But in general, you're talking about keys that you only hit once in a very great while. Or keys that have like this really tiny opening and you have to hit it at exactly the right time and you have to wait for your cycle to come up and you have to time this and time that. And it gets really, really nitpicky about hitting the right ability at the right time. So during these last few really intense fights when I was playing in the last few days, I was playing the hotkey bar. I was no longer playing the game. I was looking just at those bars, not looking at anything else. You know, if the bad guy would have moved away from me, I would have known because I would have stopped hearing myself attack him. But in terms of what was going on on the screen, I wasn't looking at the screen. I was looking at like the 15% at the bottom that was my hotkey bars. And this is why I really don't like these kind of MMOGs. Now, some people out there would disagree with me. They would say, Rabbit, it's not an MMOG unless you have three full bars of abilities. And I would disagree. I would say that managing your abilities and using them wisely should be the goal, not knowing which ones to hit at the exact time and having to play whack-a-mole with them and hit the right one at the exact right time. It should be about picking them and matching them to your style. And the best way I can describe this is to say I would prefer something like a collectible card game style. And those of you who don't know what that is won't get the reference. It's kind of hard to describe it outside of knowing what it is. So, sorry. But I would much prefer you know, having maybe 10 abilities that I pick from a much larger pool. As example, I really like the Force Leap, and I like the Force Smash, I think it is called. I don't really care for the Strangle ability, and there's another ability I haven't been able to afford that basically does the exact same thing as an ability I have, 
but it does it for less damage with a, a faster recycle rate. So things like this, you know, I should be able to say, okay, I like the force leap, let's put that on the bar. I like the force smash, let's put that on the bar. I like this, you know, conditional ability that I will use sometimes, but does a lot of damage. Let's put that on the bar. I shouldn't feel required to have, you know, all of those abilities just in case I might want to use them, you know, and then on certain fights be forced to use them. You know, I should be able to choose strategically what fits my style before a fight, go into a fight and say, this is my style, these are the buttons I use, you know, and then match my style to the combat. I think the challenge of it should be in the players finding their style and finding what abilities they like and then enhancing those abilities. Like, let's say, you know, there's a talent line, like I said, you know, for sleep and for smash. Let's say in my talent line there are abilities that boost those. I could take those talents, ignore the ones that boost the strangle, because I don't really like the strangle. Yes, some talents are like that. I'm saying let's take it to the next level. Let's make it like a collectible card game. And then as the players level up, they level up that card, as it were. And then, you know, they slot the cards in that they like to use the most. And outside of combat, if they feel... Well, maybe this combat might need this or this. I don't necessarily use them all the time, but I'll swap them in for this one fight. I think that would be a much cooler design. Now, MMOGs are moving towards that kind of design. The Secret World is one of those games. I was following it pretty heavily for a while. I don't think I've talked about it in the podcast before because I stopped following it because they announced a really heavy PvP slant and I really don't care for PvP at all. So even though it might be a solid game outside of PvP, you know, if a majority of the game is going to be focused on it, I I really probably won't care for it. But their design is kind of similar. They're going to give you a lot of abilities, but you can only slot, last I heard, could be different now, seven active abilities. That would be ones you click buttons for. And then three abilities that are passive. Guild Wars 2 has a sort of similar design. Last time they talked about it, it was that the first three buttons are based on your main hand item, and the next two buttons are based on your offhand item. And then I believe the five keys that follow are based on your class and talents, and you can swap those out however you like. So again, you'll get a lot of abilities, but based on what you're using and based on what your style of what you like to use, Your fights will be based on, you know, what suits your style instead of optimal button pressing and setting up a minimal of three different hotkey bars that you're smashing different buttons on at the right times. You know, I don't like whack-a-mole, never was into it, and I don't want to see it in my MMOG. I know some people require it and say it's not an MMOG without it. I have a different opinion. I think it can be, and I think it can be cool and fun. And people just expect it to be a button mashing game with three pages of hotkeys because that's what's come in the past and that's what they're used to now. I don't think it has to be that way. And I think there is a better way.
As I mentioned last podcast, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning has a demo out. It's pretty awesome. If you do not like console-style games, you probably should not get it, because it is pretty much... I wouldn't say it's a console port, but it very definitely has a console feel in that sort of the camera is tight into you, and it doesn't really pan out all that far unless it needs to, which is very cool. But the design... I wouldn't say it's fully linear because the dungeons do seem really good, but it is sort of here's your area, here's the pass to get to the next area, pass to get to that next area, pass to get to that next area. It's not like, you know, open and then you go wherever you want. I mean, there are more open areas, but it's very definitely a path from here to here to here. What happens in the demo is it takes you through a short tutorial between sort of using the might aspects of fighting to the finesse aspects of fighting, to the magical style of fighting. And after you get through that part, I would say that's probably about 15 or 20 minutes, you get to sort of the main area, which I'm pretty sure this is the actual game. It's just shortened. Because once you get to that main area, it starts a 45-minute timer. Now, while that sounds like a really short amount of time, it is actually quite long because what happens is that when you're talking to NPCs, the timer stops. When you open up your when you open up your main window, the timer stops. And you'll do that an annoying amount of times. But you kind of get used to it. I mean, it's just how the design is. Like when you pick up stuff, there's no way to auto-equip it from what I found. Although videos did show them auto-equipping when they picked it up. So I, I don't know. It, it might be in there. might not. But you'll go to your main window and, and flip around window pages a lot. But it's okay. It's it's still pretty fun. I never had any not fun time with it. And from when I started the demo to when I ran out of 45 minutes, I had been playing for three hours. So there's a lot of time to play there, and it's a lot of fun. You can't save during the demo. You can pause by bringing up the menu screen and then, you know, walk away and go get a sandwich or whatever you need to do and then come back. But you can't save it. So don't exit out unless you're absolutely sure you're done playing that character. I got to level 3, and I got 3 talent points each level up, so I had plenty of points to look around in the different trees. I didn't find anywhere I could respec, but the trees are all there, so you can see all the abilities, you can plan out a build, which is probably what I'll do soon, and you very definitely have enough points to you know, dump them all into one tree if you wanted and see how that was and then play again and dump it all into another tree and see how that is. But I think there's plenty enough there that you can get a pretty solid feel for it. You can pick up and use any weapon you want at any time, just about. There were a few items I did see that were restricted, that you needed a certain amount of talent points in that tree to be able to use it. Like I found some plate mail armor that required might one, I think, one or two. It was it was really low, but you did still have to spend at least a couple of points in that tree to be able to wear the armor. I'm sure, you know, in the full game, they'll, they'll get much higher and there'll be more restrictive gear. But I, I don't think it'll get too restrictive because their whole focus on the game is about players mixing and matching the style that they want to play. So I'm sure there will be lots of variety. But it is out for all of the major systems, as it were, for PC, PS3, and 360. So, you know, go check it out. It's free. Uh, It's also on Steam for PC. So you can get it through the the EA Origin site thingy, or you can go through Steam if you plan on getting it 
through Steam. Either or, your choice. But I would say it's definitely worth picking up um, if you're even slightly interested in it because it's free and it's there and you got still a couple more weeks before the game comes out to check it out. It's getting kind of hard to believe things are going to get better. I've been drowning too long to believe that the tide's going to turn. So that's it for Podcast 40. Hopefully everybody had a good time. I certainly had a much better time since my thoughts were a bit more organized. And I had a nice time to do my recording. You probably won't hear it, but there is the annoyingly loud machine noise in the background here. I couldn't hear it on my headphones on my iDevice, so that's good. I could hear it on my laptop with my proper speakers. So I apologize to everybody listening on computer speakers or in their car because you probably hear the and it's really annoying. But for the rest of you, uh, you shouldn't hear it and it should be awesome sounding. Hopefully everybody had a good time. So that's it. Uh, That's all I can think of. Hopefully everybody had a good time. I had a much better time than last time. Feel more normal, as it were. I am... Didn't quite have a lot to talk about in depth this time, so I just kind of had a smattering of little things, and hopefully that's cool and people were having a good time with that. So I guess that's it, and I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. You know, part of the, uh, hmm, unless I'm in an MMO, hmm. and I'm like, well, no, you don't have to play it all the time, but it is going all the time. So it, you know, MMO, so, eh. it will not verify any downloadable content. Oops. Stupid chair. Describe it outside of knowing what it is. So, sorry. Oh. In hmm. Why is no ordinary rabbit? You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com/podcast/rabbitsramblings.html. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdotcom. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number 1 in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2012 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.